What's good to see you today? Want to make a couple of announcements as we get going. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to come together on this wonderful, beautiful spring day. And uh, just good to be in the house of the Lord. It is so good to have with us to have had all this week, Eric and Christy Mock. Eric's going to be speaking to us in the worship service here uh, in a few minutes. He, of course, did Sunday school. He did a Awana for us this week, and he also did small groups on Tuesday night. And um, it's just been exciting to hear from him what the Lord is doing in various places uh, through the ministry of Slavic Gospel Association. I know you'll be blessed uh, this morning. Like he already said, he's going to be back in Ukraine and Poland all the stands and all those, he'll tell us all about that, but he's got a lot of journeys coming up, and um, we want to support what the Lord is doing through him. It's been a blessing to have them. So, on Thursday night, we had Awana kids learn a uh, song in Russian. So, come on up, Eric. Any of the Awana kids that are here and the other kids that practice this, I know it's a bit, it's, it's a different group, and so come on up. There's not a lot of the kids that learned this song, but if you know this song, come on up, and uh, we're going to sing it, uh, you all know the joy, 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 so they're going to sing it in English, and then going to do it in Russian. Sing along with us, and we're going to try a few hand motions. And then we're going to sing it in, in probably what you could say is, is terrible Russian, but it's close enough. And, and just allow the, the joy of the Lord to fill your heart as we begin this time of worship together. Привет, воевас! Это хороший день, слава Богу. Not tongues. <laughs> what I just said to you was, greetings in the name of the Lord. Today is a great day, слава Богу, which is praise to God. I wanted to read to you a short 
greeting from Igor Belikov. You have faithfully supported him for many years. He ministers in a region of Oriol, which is just south of Moscow, and he speaks of a desperate desire one day to meet you all. But short of that, he praises God for the investment of your lives in his life and ministry. I greet you, dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, and congratulate you on the great celebration of Christ's resurrection. Although this celebration is taking part today for them, has already taken place in your country, we will celebrate it in only two days. I always live in this hope of the resurrection, as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 20-23. Firstborn Christ, then those who belong to Christ. We live today in a difficult time, and many don't understand what is happening around them. I teach on this occasion that it is a time when Christ gathers His church, the bride, His bride. And this time is coming soon. It has become somewhat more difficult to continue our ministry in these days, but there is always an opportunity. We are going to visit boarding schools with the gospel this Easter week, distribute literature, congratulate people with the Easter, the message of Easter. The car that you helped me purchase helps a lot in ministry. Praise God for you. It is running well. Nothing breaks down. I only change oil filter and light bulbs. May the Lord reward you abundantly with His grace. This car helps me to complete construction and many, many other things. I want to leave a verse for you from Revelations 5.9. I love the book of Revelation very much. It comforts and inspires. I had two grandchildren and my son was ordained as a deacon two weeks ago. He is ministering to youth. Please pray for our ministry and it just prompted me. Let me quickly look up Revelation. Revelation 5, verse 9, and you likely know it well. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Praise be to Jesus. We are gathered together and we are speaking English. We are looking towards a future hope, a, a joy that is beyond anything that a mortal man can truly understand. We are gathered together to praise our Lord Jesus Christ because He joins us in heart regardless of geography, regardless of who you are and what station in life, regardless of language, regardless of time. We are one people saved by one hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I stand before you as a representative of the churches that you serve and faithful believers around the world who are even experiencing Easter now in the war zone, and they join together with your voices saying, Glory, hallelujah, our Savior reigns. Amen? So we gather together not as a, a quiet people. We gather together with the people who rejoice. But it's not always true. There are times that we feel lost and overwhelmed, don't we? There's times uh, that you might remember being a child separated from your parents. Have you ever had that experience where all of a sudden you feel alone and lost that you don't know where they are? 
you panic. You run around asking others, trying to find the way, but you're searching for answers, and life can be like this. My friends in Ukraine had that experience. On February 24th in 2022, they never expected their relatives to come after them. Many of their families had Russian family members, and to even assume for once that this country that had promised to protect them, if they would lay down their own weapons, is now at their borders and passing the borders, and with great military force coming in, they could hear bombs, they could hear explosions. What would they do? How is this possible? They look out their windows and they see military equipment running down the boulevard and it is not theirs. In these overwhelming times, in these moments, you find out where your heart is. You recognize that surviving and going through such difficult times is beyond your human capacity. To be able to understand how to walk with hope is more than we can do by our own physical efforts. So when times like this happen, people react differently. When you face illness and sickness, some of you maybe have battled through health issues, maybe cancer, maybe other issues. When you face battles in the family where the family becomes divided and hearts are broken, that children rebel against parents and parents rebel against children. You may lose your job. It could be finances. It could be a a, a myriad of issues. And some of us, like sheep, just shut down. We get separated from the flock. We don't know what to do. We just shut down. We go quiet, we withdraw, we move into despair and depression, which is hopelessness. We shrink away into the darkness. Others panic or are filled with anxiety and much like a dog running around in circles trying to find an answer, we, we are running around trying to solve all the problems and all the solutions. We can't get away from internet looking for answers to all our problems. Maybe medication, maybe self-medicated reasons, and we try to deal with our anxiety, and then others cry out with anger, frustration, rage, even violence against other people, against the system. And they cry out and they shake their hand. If there was a God, how could He allow this to happen? Now imagine you're in the forest, hiking up in these mountains. You get deep into the mountains and you've found yourself in a dark portion of the forest and you don't know the way out. The terrain is difficult. You have no other resources. You can barely see the sky. You are lost. You can hear the howl of a wolf. You know the danger is nearby. You've run out of options. And then you hear the crack of a piece of wood, some footsteps. And a person comes up next to you. Someone who has walked this way before. Someone who knows your fear and your anxiety and your difficulty. And he whispers next to you, this is the way, walk in it. Would you feel relieved? Would you feel hopeful? I encourage you to have your Bibles with you because we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit. I love allowing the Bible to teach the Bible. So I ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 30. In fact, in your 
devotional time, go back and look at this. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 20 to 22. Isaiah 30, verses 20 to 22. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. Verse 21. And your ears shall hear a word from behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, then you will defile your carved idols, those things that you had put earthly hopes into. Overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images, you'll scatter them as unclean things. And you'll say to them, be gone. Think repentance. God desires our worship. Very often in our life, He's that still, quiet voice that whispers in our ears. I'm not talking about audible words. I'm talking about God speaking through our spirit, speaking through His Word, speaking through the days and our circumstances. And sometimes in the middle of the hardest of times, it's not a whisper, it's, it's a voice through a megaphone. He wants us to stop retreating into ourselves. Stop looking inward and backwards and sideways, but to look forward and up. He wants us to focus less on our feelings and our expectations of what He's going to do, and rest more on who He is and what He has promised us. And as you read through the Word and as you worship today, this is what He says. This is the way. Walk in it. God is referred to in this passage as teacher, as a young child to a student, telling a young student, this is the way. That we cast off all the childish dependencies, the crutches the world provides, the self-help, the self-medication, the self-centered answers. And we would find victory in Jesus. But here's what this passage tells us. And during Sunday school, I referred to this as a paradox. In following Christ, it might get worse. You know, 175,000 people that we know of die every year for the sake of the gospel. They're persecuted predominantly in that 1040 window. They're persecuted for the sake of Christ. You know, following Christ may cost you friends. May cost you family may cost you a job, may cost you your old habits that used to give you certain joy. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 says, I count all things as lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. And so with this, I'm going to point you to a passage that we're going to look at. Believe it or not, that was a long introduction, and I promise I won't put you to sleep. Well, I hope I won't put you to sleep. And we're going to look at one verse, and when I tell my church back in northern Illinois, when I tell them that I'm going to be on one passage, you hear this, oh no. Because <laughs> there's so much there. And by the way, I give you greetings from my church. Some of them are online with us this morning. I give you greetings from the churches in the countries of the former Soviet Union, Israel, and Poland, I bring you greetings from them. And Christy and I, with all of, and Christy's right there, with all of our heart, we want to thank you 
We've known Tim and Amy for almost 20 years, and this church has been integral to our lives, and it's just a joy for us to be with you. So if you would, turn to John 16.33, and all the kids in Awana say, I don't have to because I've already memorized it. And for those of you that are taking notes, there's three points. There's a surprise. There's three points. And the first point, if you want to keep a line, is the safe place. So we can read John 16.33 in the first part of it, and it says, Jesus, of course, He's in the upper room, and He's completed His discourse, what we know as the upper room discourse, with His disciples, and He summarizes with this. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. He's summarizing everything that he just taught the disciples, so we're going to reference some of that. But it's very important to understand that he has given instruction, his word, that we would not lose heart. That we would find our peace in him, and by his direction, he was talking to the disciples because he knew what was coming. He knew after the joy of the triumphal entry, after the joy of three years of ministry, that his followers were about to see something that was far more ugly than anything they could have believed. Their teacher would be crucified and beaten beyond recognition. They would be scattered out of fear. Their hopes and their dreams would be shot. Even though Jesus said, listen to me, The reality of the present, the reality of the circumstances won the day and they scattered. Have you ever used the word safe place before? Safe place? I refer to Christy as my safe place. And when I am with her, I can sit with her and we can not even have a conversation. Just being together is enough. I can be myself. I I don't mean this the wrong way. I don't have to impress my wife. She already knows my highs and my lows after we've been married this summer 39 years. And she already has me kind of figured out, sometimes before I do. And she is my safe place. I can let my guard down and know that she thinks of my best interest. Some of us put our safe place into people. Sometimes it's a location. Sometimes it is a hobby where we like to withdraw and do something. Sometimes it's work. And we find this place where we have a sense of security and peace. But what we really know is that all those things around us that we put our hopes in are transient. Finances can be transient. Our health can be transient. Even our friends can be transient. Even families can be transient. A majority of the world can lead us to be feeling unsafe unsettled, anxious, fearful, full of doubt and depression. And if you don't believe me, look at all the ads on TV. Look at all the ads on the internet where they give you lots of medicine and options to feel better about yourself. To feel better about the situation that you're in. Jesus instead says, peace is found in me. In Him is our safe place. The word peace, irene in the Greek, is this word of harmony consistent with Romans 15, 13. It's freedom from anxiety. A state of natural tranquility exempt from rage and the havoc of war. 
What do we hear in this world that we're in the middle of the fighting and the wars and the rumors of wars that we have in our world today? They call for peace between nations and peace between ideologies and even called the Christian church to find peace so that we all just get along. That if we just all get along, we have peace here on earth. And it really captures everything we talk about. We talk about peace on earth. And somehow we think the peace comes from within, but deep down we know the anxiety remains. The fear remains. The loss remains. The difficulty remains. The despair. That in which we most put our hopes of peace in is that which we worship. If it's money, we're going to pour into money. If it's family, we'll pour into family. If it's job, we're going to pour into job. Everything that we most place our hope in is the center of our worship. And even though we show up on Sunday to worship together as a people, you all have different hope. We need to be challenged to be careful that Jesus is just not an additional luxury in our lives. He is all of our lives. There are people that still come to church on Sunday, but have somewhere else that's their happy place. That happy place can include difficulty in drinking, drugs, pornography, and more. Adultery, other people, careers, anything else. And that peace can pass away. So Jesus says, I have said these things to you that you would find, in order that, you would find hope in Him alone. Just prior to this, in John 14, 26 and 27, He says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you, think teacher, think the passage in Isaiah, He will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you, and My peace I give you, not as the world gives you, Let your hearts not be troubled. Let them not be afraid. Because the opposite of peace is anxiety and fear. There will be an assault on Jesus. John 16, 1 and 2, I've said these things to you, again, all these things to you, to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when whoever kills you will think they're offering a service to God. Think Islam. There are assaults of... Difficult. Think Judaism as well at the time. Think of the Romans at the time. Think of the assaults of today. Especially in the last hundred years, the countless missionaries that have gone out and been martyred in different remote places. 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Just prior to that, in verses Starting at verse 8, what does he say? He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down and not destroyed. Always carrying on the body, the body of death, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. There's that paradox again. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So, in verse 16... So we do not lose heart. We do not lose courage. 
Though our outer self is wasting away, which I know with age is more true, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Jesus gave us a safe place. My friends, this isn't a religious view. This is reality. This is truth. There is nothing, nothing in your life apart from Christ who can give you sustainable peace. We will never have peace in the world such that you will not have a worry. We will never have peace among people, a sinful, broken people, in a society that is bent on doing everything in opposition to God. We will never be in a stasis of peace where you will find peace that passes all understanding. That peace is only found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I want to tell you a story. If we can... Put the video up. Is it already up? Okay, so I'm going to quickly fix this. There we go. We're going to fix the technology. I'm going to show you a picture. I hope. Oh, it's waiting for me to come back over here. Sorry, guys. This is a picture of Igor Belikov that I should have shown you when I was reading him, and that's his church. But I want to show you a picture of my dear friend Marina. I am sitting with her at a children's hospital, and I want to give you her story. Her grandfather is a pastor in southern Ukraine in the Kherson region. They were in their house and they heard the destruction and the bombing and the explosions that were going on. So they huddled together in the house. She was there with her mom. And the pastor and his wife were there and they were, his name is Sergei, and they were praying and praying. An explosion hit next to their house and the force was so great that it blew a hole through the roof and knocked down the wall. And the wall came down on his daughter and his granddaughter crushing their legs. He picked up his daughter and his granddaughter and and put them in his car and he was trying to drive away. And as he drove away to the hospital, the army was shooting at him and bullets are ripping through his car as he's driving along. He finally made it to the hospital to carry his daughter and granddaughter in who were bleeding and terribly damaged. He told me, Please, he he wrote to us and said, please pray for my daughter and her granddaughter. And then he said, please pray for me. And listen to what he said. He said, God has given me a tremendous opportunity at this hospital to declare the gospel through the destruction of my family. I know these people need to hear of the hope of Jesus. And he walked down the halls of that hospital 
with joy in his heart because people who were suffering apart from the Lord were hearing the gospel and the Lord allowed hardship in his life so that he could minister to a different group of people. I don't know that I would have thought that way. I'm just being honest. They needed help getting a leg for Marina because she lost her leg. They had to remove it. And when she was sitting there in the last picture in the wheelchair and I began to talk to her, she was crying and felt embarrassed that she didn't have a leg. So we were able to help her. In fact, when she was interviewed, there was a CNN reporter that came by and happened to be there. And they asked her, what is your greatest need? And she says, well, I pray that God will bless Zelensky. And he will bless our country and that peace will come. And please let the president know that I am praying for him. And he called her at the hospital and prayed with her. So we got her a leg and there she is with her mother who is now able to walk again. She has joy in her heart and she never gave up hope. Her grandfather never gave up hope. Her grandmother never gave up hope. She never gave up hope. And now she walks again with a new with new beginnings. But although her body is broken, the body is broken, her spirit is broken. And so I wanted to remind you all that our bodies may fail. Our bodies may waste away. The world may fight and there be rumors of wars and more wars and the destructions. Things can absolutely fall apart to where your body doesn't function anymore. But Christ will not fail. He will do everything that He promised that He would do. You can trust in Him and find your peace And even though the world is spinning out of control, we can say, our Savior reigns and He will stand with us on on that day. And we will look forward to His coming because we know the best is yet to come. And if our body fails, it will only just bring us closer to glory. So He continues in, it's recorded in John 16, 33, with the second point being the reality check. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Jesus didn't come to fix the world. For this world's passing away. He came to fix the sin problem that we may be adopted and be sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. This is startling for the followers. They had just come in to Jerusalem and you could just see them. I'm with him. Jesus riding in on a colt, on a donkey, and he's coming in, and the palms are down, and they're heralding, Hosanna! Glory to him who comes. Hosanna to God in the highest. And they were ushering in, and the Pharisees said, stop this madness. And Jesus says, even the stones will cry out if you do this. And the crowd was at a fever pitch. He had 
raised Lazarus from the grave. He had done amazing miracles. And here he's coming in. Certainly the Romans will be gone and the kingdom of David will come and we're going to live in goodness. In fact, what did the disciples say over and over after hearing that he was going to be crucified? Who is going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit at the left or the right? We're here Jesus is staring him in the face. You have God walking with you and all they were concerned about was self-promotion. Who they would be in the kingdom to come. Jesus never said that your life would be healthier and wealthier. Today we live in a time where people peddle a peacetime Christianity and and they they peddle their books and their self-help criteria that somehow if you follow after Jesus, you're going to get more rich. You're going to get healthier. Your problems are going to go away and you're going to have your best life now. The Bible doesn't say it. The Bible says following Christ might mean it gets harder. I can tell you when Christy and I, when I left my career on the space program 20 years ago to go into missionary work, it was the hardest thing that we've ever done and not one day has gone by that it wasn't more difficult, more painful, more frustrating than it was when I was living like a a Christianized pagan on the space program. Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 6.12, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. When Jesus says, in this world you'll have tribulations, the Greek word tribulations is a a picture of a, a large stone on a person's back. It presses them down. Have you ever had... Talk to a person that's in a deep depression and it feels like they have a weight and they just can't get out of bed. They just can't leave the house. They just can't function. And it's like there's this giant rock putting them down. That is where the word tribulation comes from. It's always about external affliction. The world is a place where people are shelling villages. They're shelling villages and killing little children that are hiding in the basements with their grandparents that are too afraid to leave because they have no money and no place to go, so they try to endure. The children are screaming. I know. I've met some of them. They're in a a world that is filled with people who would gladly take the young girls into human trafficking. Marriages are destroyed. We live in a time where circumstances are so overwhelming that it can, it can make you feel worth, worthless that people in their words and society can break down your heart and you can feel like nothing. Domestic violence weighs in and so many times women are devalued. And men assault them to only elevate themselves or deal with their own peace and uh, lack of peace and through anger and hardship. In the middle of understanding the difficulties and the pain around us, we may cry out and say, did God forget me? Is God even there? But when we do that, we misunderstand what God is doing. That in the middle of the hardest times, He's that still, sweet voice saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Just before 
the upper room, Christ said this, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes and various famines and pestilence. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. This is Luke 21, 10 through 20. They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering up to the synagogues and prison. So you'll be brought before kings and governors for my sake. And then he says, but this will be your opportunity. And you're thinking, woohoo, that's going to be my opportunity when my life is falling apart. Woo-hoo. And that was the Apostle Paul, wasn't it? What happened when he was beaten and thrown in jail? He planted a church. One of my friends, Yuri, and his wife, Ludmilla, had cancer, and she was going to die within a month. So what did they do? They planted a church. You'll be delivered even up by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. Some of them will put you to death. You will be hated by people for my name's sake. But it says, not a hair of your head shall perish. In other words, they can take your body, but they will never take your soul. The world can do its worst And God will still build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You stand here as evidence of this truth. The reality of the world around us, going back a little further into Luke 17, so it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. Likewise, it was in the days of Lot when they were eating, drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on that day when Lot went out of Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. On that day let no one who is on a housetop or with his goods in his house come down and take him away. Likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back remember Lot's wife. And then finally these words. Whoever seeks to preserve his life, think putting your hope in the things of this world trying to live longer, trying to excel more, to find personal validation. Anyone who seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, lays down his life for the sake of Christ, will keep it. Can you imagine Noah preaching for over a hundred years and no one came to faith? And then he's he's in the ark and the floods are coming down and people are beating on the side of the ark. It was too late and he could hear their cries. Can you imagine Lot as he walked away? There were probably people he knew. And yet he knew what was going to come. Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah, instead of repenting, loved homosexuality and obscenity. And they were consumed with it. And they did not survive. This is our forest. This is our world. So the battle lines are drawn. So what will we do? When the air raid sirens are going off, when the missiles are coming in, when you know that that buzzing sound of a drone, it sounds like a moped actually, and you don't know where it's going to land, and you might be next, where do you put your hope? John 16, 33, Jesus says, Take heart, I have overcome. So the third point of this, this is the way. Take heart is a, an imperative, a command. It means be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Have firmness of purpose, even in the face of danger. These are not soft words, actually a command. When 
when God was speaking to Joshua in Joshua 1, 6 and 7, He said, Be strong and courageous, for He will cause you to inherit the land that I swore to my fathers. Only be strong and courageous and be careful to do all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or the left that you may have success in everywhere that you go. So you remember we began with Isaiah 30, 20-21. Your ears shall heal a word behind you. Think word of God. Think the Holy Spirit. This is the way. Walk in it. So Jesus had just said in John 14, 26 in the upper room, the Spirit is coming. Remember, He will teach you all things and bring them to remembrance. And Jesus says, have courage because I have overcome. Revelation 12, 10 to 11. And I heard with a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them night and day before the Lord and they have been conquered by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, for they love, they love their lives even unto the time of death. So what happened? When the missiles were raining down, the artillery shells are still coming in. Even today, over 50 assaults on the front line happened while we were resting. 90% of the pastors ran into conflict. 90% of the pastors did not run. In fact, Pastor Peter, who has this picture, who's been patiently waiting for me. Peter is a true hero of the faith. He ministers in four villages in the northern area of Chernigov, which is between Kiev and Belarus. And he's up towards the border of Belarus. When the invasion began, he was overwhelmed. And just so before I read you what he wrote... Understand that when I sat with him just about eight weeks ago, I asked him, why did you stay? He said, well, how could I leave? My people were here. And he wrote this. I'm writing you this letter with tears in my eyes. On February 24th at 4 o'clock in the morning, our lives changed forever. Our daughter Victoria said, Dad, please don't worry. The war has started. Turn on the TV. And I heard the news. And from the very beginning, rockets flew at civilians in houses hospitals, boarding schools, bomb shelters where people hit, railway stations, columns of people who went to evacuate with a white flag were victims. They completely destroyed those villages and towns that were under the occupiers. They laughed and mocked the people, raped the women and the children, cut off their limbs, burned their eyes out, and threw them on the ground to be burned. My village, Losienka, where I live, became quickly occupied by the Russian army. They lived in our village, controlled the road to the capital of Kiev. All of our shops were bombed in our village. The people were shot in the street. We had no bread, no food. We all hid and sat in the shelter and in their home. My wife and I, who is currently sick, hid with Victoria's daughter, and we all lived in the cellar. When columns of military equipment started firing, and passing through the streets, uh, such as tanks, missiles, and many other equipment, we are forced to flee into the, the back reaches of our homes, taking our children and grandchildren. Um, and he stayed in his house for almost two months. In the first days of the war, we could not escape from our village. Many people left. They were not all reached. Uh, they didn't all reach their destination because uh, the army had killed the people along the way. 
We did not have green corridors in our region. We lived more than a month under direct occupation and thank only one dear God that we are still alive. Every morning, every evening, every night, there were shellings of our village. We did not undress day or night. We were on our knees crying and praying in great pain. We prayed to the Lord day and night. And when they fired, the ho- our house, all the houses shook and our doors flew open. Opposite of us, gas exploded. There was a fire on our street near our house that endangered my whole family. But prayer, my friends, makes miracles. My wife and I and children got on our knees and we all began to pray and we prayed hard and God turned the wind the other direction and the fire went away. We stayed in the house and eventually they departed. Just eight weeks ago, I was able to see them. I've never experienced anything like it in my life. Peter became running down the snow-covered road about 100 yards away, so I started running to him. His wife stepped out of their house, dropped to her knees, and began sobbing because they never thought that they would see me again or another faithful believer. So we walked into their home and where their church was, walked into the blue chair, and her name is Luba, which means love. And we worshipped. Because of all the damage that had occurred, there was no electricity, there was no heat. It was about 32 degrees in the church. They were at, would you come if it was 32 degrees inside the building? They bundled up, and what you see in their arms is a person that I knew in California had knitted, or knitted, that's probably the wrong word, had made comforters or quilts, quilted, quilted quilts. I know I'm saying that wrong. And so I was handing them out to the people that were there, and they weren't thinking about putting them on their laps. Instead, they wanted to hear the Word of God. And I, I preached from Psalm 40. And when I was done preaching out of Psalm 40, they stopped me and they said, no, 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 keep going. And I said, what? And they said, well, give us your testimony. So I gave my testimony and they said, uh, 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 well, tell us about your grandchildren. So I kept talking. I said, what's going on? They said, you're here. They said, do you know where you are? I said, yes, I know where I'm at. And they said, why would you come to a village that has suffered? And I said, because we are one family, the family of God. And, and we are gathered together in this time for this region, reason. And three days after that, we got a generator for them so that they could warm up. And you know what Peter did? He put it on the trailer so that he could go to four other villages and put heat in houses so the villagers would come and hear the gospel. He didn't want to bring people to his house. He wanted to take the gospel to the other villages. Time and time again, the people that suffer the most are the ones who go forward. A man in Azerbaijan who could lose his whole family instead goes to the border of Iran and preaches in totally Muslim villages knowing that at any moment they could take his life because he doesn't care because he knows the best is yet to come. So he does not walk in fear. So Pastor Peter, although his heart is gripped with the reality that... (coughs) The military could break into his house at any day. He never lost hope. These pastors now, these deacons, these men are actually on the front lines with the troops trying to get the gospel to them, working as as chaplains in these villages where now we, uh, through SGA, we have seen over a quarter of a million families in Ukraine hear the gospel. 
quarter of a million families all through the churches. And these churches now stand tr- strong, and the government knows that they're standing strong, and so the aid is coming through these churches. And through your amazing support, I believe it's about 57,000 meals were provided to over 1,000 families through the giving of this church. Over 1,000 families heard the gospel of Jesus Christ through your support. Hallelujah. And so the people of Ukraine are continuing to be strong. And then in Russia and Belarus, on the borders, the churches there are taking the gospel to those refugees that are coming on their side. And some are moving to Israel. And the people that I told you that were dealing with cancer that planted a church, they're leaving a, leading a ministry to Ukrainian refugee Jews that have been coming to Israel. What happens in our world around us? For those that God has redeemed, they shine the brightest. Because their circumstances don't save them, their Savior saves them, and they don't give up hope. And therefore, you should not give up hope, and you should recognize in this world there's a great number of tribulations, but take heart, He has overcome. I want to close simply with a video. I'm hoping that it works. If it doesn't, this is a video of a young girl in Kiev who is one of the sweetest girls, and she is a part of... Uh, sending stories to us from people's lives. She sends those to Christy, and those go out as a prayer guide. At the SJ website, if you go there, you can put your email in there, and I write these stories. Christy and I put the stories out every morning. We're, under, we're on number 790. So I'm going to see if this starts. Let me pause it. In Kyiv, and we are still living in wartime. It has been a tough period for all Ukrainians. Hello, everyone. My name is Alexandra, and I'm sending you greetings from Ukraine. I'm currently in Kyiv, and we are still living in wartime. It has been a tough period for all Ukrainians and for all Christians. Our faith has been tested, and it is still being tested. Uh, it is hard to read the Bible when your city is being attacked by rockets. It is hard to find time to um, for your devotional when um, you're hiding in the shelter with no light, with no heating, with no water, with no food. Uh, it is hard to to stay strong in your faith when people you know are killed, when uh, your neighborhood is attacked and the buildings are destroyed when uh, people you trust and people uh, you expect support from uh, don't show up when it, it is needed. Uh, it is really hard. But what helped me to stay strong in my faith uh, when fear comes, when anxiety comes, when people tell you there is no God, there is no divine intervention, when uh, sufferings like that happen. What helped me is um, preaching, preaching to my heart. No matter what I feel, I preached and I spoke God's truth to my heart and to my brain. But you can't preach to yourself when you don't know the truth. So what is important, and our pastor 
would always say that uh, see God in favorable time, uh, get close to Him, dive into His Word, uh, study His Word when everything's good, especially when everything's good. Don't wait uh, for troubles to come. Don't wait for the time of suffering to come closer to God. Do that when everything's good, when you're feel blessed, when uh, the sky is blue. Uh, and when you do that, when you fill your heart with his truth, when you fill your brain with his truth, that what uh, will come up to you in the time you most need his word and his encouragement. Uh, so it is important to replace the lies that the world tells us, the Satan tells us, people around us tell us, and speak his truth to yourself. This is the way. Walk in it. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Find your peace in Him. Find your hope in Him in favorable times like now. It may get worse before it gets better. So if you dwell in that peace now, it will guide you through those times. Let us pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your mercy and grace. We thank You for the peace that we have that passes all understanding. Father, You have given us a joy that cannot be taken away from us. Father, I pray for every heart here that they would be surrendered to You. That they would lay down all the other idols, all the other trappings that may be their safe place and find their safety in You through faith in Your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would be glorified in your church, in our lives, in this day, and for those who are suffering around the world, Father, that even in these times they would find their hope in you. Lead us in these days, and it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Eric. We're going to be closing with a song. While we're closing with that song, I'm going to make it easy for you. Rather than put the plates at the back, while we're singing, let's just take an offering um, to send Eric and Christy on the way. Eric, thank you for the word, uh, the blessing it is to hear God's word spoke. You know, in this world, we do have trouble, but we can be of great peace because we know the one who has overcome the world. And being in him, we have two. And so that is our great privilege and joy is to know the Lord. And so thank you, Eric, for ministering to us. Um, you know, at the beginning of the war, we really tried to step up and, and be a help to the effort that was going on with SGA, and then time goes on, and boy, our life continues on, doesn't it? And for them, life is still hard, and probably getting harder. And so, you know, as the Lord enables you and lays it on your heart, not only today, but in weeks to come, make sure we, you know, we just continue to, to designate and to give toward the war need. And um, it's just been really good to be together.